Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there, and welcome to Stock Club, a podcast brought to you by My Wall Street. I'm Mike, and joining me on today's episode are Rory and Emmett from the My Wall Street Analyst team. Together, we're talking about Walmart's recent press release and the dark shadow it cast on retail, Snap's earnings and what it means for ad platforms, and Emmett answers your questions on the gene editing industry. You know the story by now. I want to remind you that we have an extended version of Stock Club that you can listen to exclusively in the My Wall Street app for free. At the end of the show, Emmett and Rory are going to pitch two companies to me that they have their eye on at the minute. I'll pick my favorite. And in the extended episode, you can hear the full discussion we have as we try to figure out if it's a good investment or not. There's a link to the episode in the notes for the show, so if you want to hear the extended elevator pitch, just tap that and head on over to my Wall Street. Right, lads, uh, I thought we'd get away without talking about Elon Musk, but unfortunately, <laughs> he is the king of content and content follows him. So he was accused of... He was accused of having an affair with Sergey Brin's wife and then <laughs> completely debunked it. Um, and then as I obviously got dragged into the Elon Musk tabloids, I found an article that his father, Errol Musk, is now having children with his stepdaughter. So can someone please just have me stop reading about Elon Musk and his extended family? Because it's not good for my mental health. The reason he wants to um, get us to Mars is because he's going to overpopulate the Earth. These musks—that's the—that's the main problem. <laughs> it's just—it's probably not easy finding a suitable candidate to have an affair with when you're at that level. So you probably need to go to the Fang stocks first and go right, okay. <laughs> and then maybe go to the S&P 500 and go right who's available here. I just don't know, really. Why would you do that? Like, what? I mean, at all, why would you do that? I mean, this is a moralistic debate, but apart from the morals of going off with someone else's partner, I have to, you have to ask yourself, what was he thinking? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the last person you want to have a very, yeah. how are you going to hide that? <laughs> It's not confirmed now that he did or didn't either. The Wall Street Journal is apparently getting called out for debunking, but then also oh. he has this army of cult-like followers who will believe everything he says too. Mm. I saw the headline. I didn't even open it because I just thought, yeah. oh, that's not relevant. You know, It's all getting a bit tabloidy. Mm. Mm. Right. Well, let's talk some real news. So um, starting off then, we had a very disappointing earnings report come through from Walmart Probably a company that doesn't really get enough coverage here on Stock Club, yet this week we've kind of seen its impact on the wider market. Um, it's especially dragging down retailers like Target and Amazon with the recent press release. The company revised down its expected earnings for the year as high inflation has forced customers to adapt their spending habits, prioritizing necessities and avoiding discretionary spending. Rory, do you want to talk to us about the release in question and why it had such a big impact on the market? Well, I suppose it's, first of all, it was interesting because it coincided, um, with what was kind of quite positive results from kind of other, I suppose, kind of bellwether stocks, we call them. Um, McDonald's brought out a really good report. Coca-Cola had a really good report. 
Um, and then Walmart comes out with this absolute scorcher. <laughs> um, the general gist of which was that it was slashing profit guidance for the second time this year, actually. Um, it said it was going to cut profitability estimates both for its current quarter and for the full year. Uh, and this is, it's down to kind of what is rather abrupt U-turn uh, in consumer shopping behavior just in the last few months as kind of inflationary fears have really kicked in. Um, so the company is now saying that in, in this quarter, um, they expect to see adjusted earnings decline between 8 and 9%. And for the year, they expect them to drop between 11 and 13%. Um, now, that's a huge adjustment. Previously, they had said they expected adjusted earnings to be flat this quarter um, or even slightly up. And they expect about a 1% drop for the year. So um, they've pretty much 10x'd the the decline in what they're in what they think they're gonna um make this year. Um which for a massive company like that is, you know, you're getting into the you're getting into big numbers at the when you're talking about a company that's worth three hundred and fifty billion dollars. Um and I suppose it kind of goes against a perceived logic out there that a company like Walmart is one of those businesses that you think is going to do well um when times get tough. Uh you know it's a discount retailer. Um, it's known for low prices. Um, and you know, in one sense, the company is doing well. Um, the, in the same, rep- in the same release, they said they expect same source sales to increase this quarter by 6%, which is actually up a point, up a percentage point than they had previously guided for. And that is down to what we expect. You know, we, you know, people are tightening their belts. Um, people who were perhaps shopping at a Trader Joe's, or Whole Foods are now deciding to shop more at Walmart. However, the increase in sales is largely coming from food and basic necessities. Um, the other side of that coin is Walmart now has these huge inventory issues. Um, things like apparel, uh, big ticket items like television sets. Um, they just can't move off the shelf. And, and of course, just a few months ago, this is where the big demand was. You know, it was these kind of items, um, that because of kind of global supply chain issues and, that stupid boat getting stuck in the canal. You know, everyone was scrambling to spend money on these things. So, so all the retailers were were out there, you know, putting in massive orders, saying, "When can you get me this stuff? We can't. We we need TVs. We need apparel. This is what people want to buy right now." Um, and now that inventory's literally arrived, and no one wants it. Uh, and that is going to play absolute havoc on your profitability because it's those items that generate your profits. You know, food is low margin. Um, and particularly with Walmart, you know, they are a value oriented brand. One of their greatest strengths is their scale. Uh, that scale gives them an awful lot of negotiating power with suppliers. It lets them undercut the competitors. Their whole sales pitch is come to Walmart. You're not going to spend as much as you're going to spend other places. Um, but they also need those customers to be kind of coming in there, buying more high margin items like clothing and electronics in order to keep that profitability engine going. Um, and what we're going to see now is kind of aggressive price cuts um, on those items because they're going to have to move that inventory. Um, so you're going to have this kind of strange uh, imbalance where the necessities that people need, prices are going up because there's lack of supply and the stuff that we don't need <laughs> at the moment, the, the stuff that people are kind of cutting back on and um, the big ticket items are going to be massively discounted. Uh, this is going to be kind of this strange kind of inflationary uh, quagmire. Um, it's also, I mean, for Walmart Plus, it's not going to help their kind of their big strategic goals now, kind of like Walmart Plus, for example. They're just kind of, they're really kind of ro- rolling that out at the moment. Um, 
those kind of subscriptions could be the first thing that people cut when they when they see the bills come in every month. I think kind of a company that's more established, like Costco, for example, they're probably going to be fine. People love Costco, they're and and, and that's got that kind of uh, thing where well, that's where we do our shopping in in times of uh, in times of uh, tough belt tightening. Whereas Walmart Plus kind of wasn't just yet, hadn't really gotten all the the bits in order yet for people to go, oh yeah, that's worth that's worth keeping at the moment. Very good. And in our planning meeting earlier this week, you kind of you said that a stock like Walmart falling nine percent in one day is a really big deal. And you mentioned bellwether stocks earlier on. Could you kind of elaborate on the concept of a bellwether stock and 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 why this is such a big deal for the wider economy? Was a yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think not too many people are concerned about Walmart itself, uh, even though the stock has, has taken a bit of a hit recently. Um, it is one of those companies that has huge economic moats. Um, and like I said, when times are tough, people think of Walmart. It's the first, it's kind of the first company you think of. Yeah. If you, if you've ever gone back and typed in what stocks to buy during a recession, Walmart is usually up there as like the number one on the, on the list. But what it's, what it does is kind of, like I said, it's a, it's a bellwether stock. It tells you an awful lot about what's happening um, below the surface. And it, it kind of gives you an impression of kind of two things that are happening. First, it's consumer mentality. Um, so people are going into Walmart. Uh, it's the biggest grocer in the US. They're walking in there every day and they're looking at all the things that they need and they're looking at the things they want and they're walking straight past what they want to what they need. And that's what they're spending their money on. And that, that is quite worrying <laughs> um, in it, from an economic standpoint, from, from the point of view of, you know, if you think back over the last 10 years, there's been multiple crises, multiple times when the markets were looking shaky. Um, and even through, through the biggest one, even through coronavirus, it was buoyed by this idea of the strong consumer. People still wanted to spend money. They still wanted to buy things. Um, so the fact that people aren't willing to spend, the fact they're not willing to buy things that they, that they need right now, that has impacts all the way down. Um, so you think of companies that, you know, think of companies that only sell pe- things that people want, you know, that, that, that only sell things that people don't need, only discretionary. Uh, those businesses, you'd be, you'd be worried for those businesses now and you'd be worried for, you know, I think, you know, we, we saw, uh, Shopify cut some, um, staff there yesterday. I think we'll probably talk about that next week because we didn't get enough time to kind of digest it. But think of all those kind of small businesses that sell really high discretionary items. And um, you'd think they would be badly impacted if this, if, if, if what Walmart's telling us is, is a, is a wider trend and it can't much, it can't be much wider uh, than Walmart. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those companies where you really do get a, a fantastic insight into the American consumer anyway. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's just one of those businesses, you know, that tells us an awful lot. Um, it's, we're looking now at kind of like Amazon's earnings, um, and, and see what happens there. I think that's tomorrow, is it? Uh, what's there? Tomorrow from today, but also yesterday. But also yesterday. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Schrodinger's earnings. <laughs> they both happened and happened. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, look, it's, it's just one of those, those things that like, you know, like I said, it wasn't even an earnings report. It was, a, it was a, just a news release that really has taken the air out of any idea that this, this was nearly over yet. Um, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether the retailers in particular, particularly those that don't have that kind of value orientated, um, approach, how they do over the next, this next, uh, earnings season. 
Very good. Insightful stuff there where I didn't know you were such an economist. So what, what, you're te- what you're telling me is to postpone the launch of my Tuxedo for Dogs business right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe wait. Yes, do. Well, tell me. <laughs> it's not tuxedo season, Mike. <laughs> well, That's no, a- it's, it's wedding season. So, you know, like the dog, uh, you've seen okay, all these people yeah, bring yeah. in the rings of the dog. It, it's a long story. It's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Before I get too distracted, we're going to move on then to Snap. Now, Snap had a disastrous earnings report to close out last week, down almost 40% in a day. And the second time it's fallen oh, around 40% in the space of a couple of months. Uh, the company missed on the top and bottom lines and withheld guidance for the following quarter, which is never going to be good for investors. Emmett, do you want to kind of give us a rundown of what went wrong here? Yeah, sure. Rory, before I go there, Mike, do you remember the cover sheet of Snap's S1 filing? <laughs> you, it said, you, this, will, this will spark your memory. It said Snap oh, yes, camera, camera company. company. And I think you, me, and Maeve had a little laugh on air because until that point, we'd been under the impression that a camera was, you know, essentially a light box with an aperture in it. Um, Anyway, they, they never did release their own SLR. I do, and I think they just, they literally right before the S1, I think they just mentioned the fact that they were getting into like glasses with a camera in them, the spectacles. Yes, yeah, um, that's right. I think, I mean, looking back on it now, I mean, I suppose when they were kind of deconstructing the concept of a camera, as in like, <laughs> it's, camera is just what the image yeah. gives out. I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was, yeah. it was up there yeah. with the, um, with the, uh, yeah. Don't say it. We work. Are you going to say we work? Expand the world's consciousness. <laughs> Expand the world's consciousness. That's what it was. That was, was the well, yeah. That was the wildest one. We oh, we yeah. laughed out loud on air at that one. Yeah, I remember that. But I'm pretty sure any everyone knows what Snapchat does or what Snap does. And uh, I'm going to avoid giving the usual company history because Mike, you're going to lampoon me for <laughs> drifting off the topic, uh, which I guess I've already done. But anyway, look. So uh, there's a duet uh, headlining on Wall Street Summer Barbecue, and they're called Doom and Gloom. And basically, the Summer Barbecue on Wall Street is in full swing. Um, In the big picture, social media shares are facing what feels to me like a relentless slowdown in their advertising revenue at a time when competition from other non-American platforms, (coughs) TikTok, uh, is increasing. So the story and what happened, Snap, is that first they forecasted revenue growth of between 20 and 25% for its second quarter of 2022, which is the one that just finished. And then five weeks later, when they said that, after they said that, they came out and said that the quarter was moving in the wrong direction and that it would miss the, uh, the lower end of that guidance. And when they said that, I remember that the shares had a bit of a fall. Then last Friday, Snap uh, revealed their Q2 figures and they reported that revenue increased 13% year over year. Now, from 2018 to 2021, the company had grown revenue at an average compound annual rate of over 50%. So this Q2 uh, growth was a very, very considerable slowdown. So to where, uh, let's say, a market was used to seeing 50% growth, it was now kind of in the teens, low end of the teens. Oh, and actually another important point is that they didn't issue financial guidance for Q3 for the first time. So other than to say 
that revenue so far in the period is flat compared to last year. And then the, the management team also reiterated that uh, it plans to substantially reduce the rate of hiring, which is being heard all over the place at the moment. I mean, Rory, you just mentioned um, Shopify, uh, their announcement last night, tomorrow, <laughs> yesterday. And uh, it's, it is echoing the plans of pretty much every company I've looked at. So the, the net effect of what happened, Snap, was that at least 12 Wall Street firms have slashed their ratings on shares. And as I look at their uh, their stock price graph here, Yahoo Finance in front of me, in the, about a year ago, on the 1st of August, the shares were sitting at around $76 a pop. Now they're $9 and change. So the business has absolutely uh, fallen from that kind of, heady excitement that that kind of characterized last summer especially for us yeah and uh, you mentioned their management and their kind of plans and everything there was there's some funny i suppose not funny stuff but there's a bit to unravel here between the company slowing down hiring then yet it approved a 500 million dollar share buyback program is that the best use of capital from the executive team what kind of message does that send you mm. well the u.s social media companies saw about $130 billion wiped off their collective stock market values last Friday alone. And Snapchat fell 39%, which uh, was its lowest level since way back March 2020. Uh, Meta or Facebook fell 8% in the day. Pinterest dropped 13%. And interesting, Google last Friday fell 5.6%, which was its biggest one-day drop since uh, March 2020 as well. So there is an argument that the exec team in Snap see um, preposterous deep value in their shares and are, are perhaps even suspect that there is more value to come, or in other words, the shares are going to continue heading south. And when you consider that the business is sitting on something like $4.8 billion in cash, I think it's smart and prudent to at least have the approval from the board to pounce and buy um, back some of the business in the trough of disillusionment because share buybacks, buybacks have been measured and proven as a way of creating shareholder value. And just to kind to get your head around it uh, for our listeners, it's you're basically reducing the number of shares in circulation when you do a share buyback, when a company does a share buyback. So the slice of the pie that you own has just gotten a little bigger. So um, so I think it's uh, I think it was the right thing to get approved. They haven't bought the shares. They've just gone ahead and got approval to drop 500 million if they feel it's the right thing to do mm. and then we were talking about the leadership team there the co-founders evan spiegel and bobby murphy who are the ceo and cto respectively have agreed to a new employment contracts until 2027 that'll pay them one dollar in salary and no equity compensation is that a good thing or a bad thing for shareholders you get a good deal out of your leaders but mm. Do you want the team that's kind of brought the company from 136 billion to maybe what, 17 or 18 billion now on for another five years? But they also, yeah, they also brought it from their garage or their attic or their, you know, their college dorm, wherever Snap started. I'm not too sure. So yes, they, they, you could look at the last chapter since August a year ago and say they, they've managed the business down from 70 bucks and change to $9 and change. But I can speak from experience that a co-founder will do almost anything to save and strengthen the company that they started, you know, in their bedroom or attic or garage or whatever. But 
Um, without knowing uh, the two guys, Spiegel and Murphy, I'm 99% sure that uh, that's what they're doing here. They're like economically, these guys don't need any money. Like they've had their payday. They are, they are wealthy. So what they're doing is making sure that they're, uh, that the fiscal impact that they're having on the business is effectively null. It's zero. It's like a shadow. So they are leaning in and they're taking out, uh, there's no fiscal impact from their participation in business um, and it, there's no cost line on the business. So I think that that's a good thing. I mean, the shareholders don't actually have a choice whether it's in, in either sense because they have a dual class shareholdership which gives them total power. So it was kind of like we're cutting our salary yeah. but we don't actually have to and it's nothing you can do about it anyway. So. <laughs> this is uh, a small little olive nice branch, is it? Yeah. There you go. Just, yeah. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, okay, I didn't realise that. To get fewer, you know, angry shareholder letters in the mail. Yeah. But now, now I was about to say, now they have the excuse, we're not getting paid enough to take this kind of stuff from me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, don't worry, they're getting paid. It's an easy, it's an easy out. Emmett, are you mm. going to start getting paid a euro yeah. for your salary now these days? Um, Very possibly, Mike, very possibly. <laughs> um. Uh, no comment. But anyway, I, I did notice actually that that uh, JP Morgan analyst, a guy called Doug Anmuth, wrote um, about TikTok. He said that their strong engagement and rapid monetization growth are having an outsized impact on Snap's business. And he did the biggest cut on Wall Street to his prediction. He said that he slashed it to an underweight and said that he put a price target of $9. So really the, there is quite a lot of pessimism sitting heavily on, on Snap's shoulders at the moment. Yeah, well, let's talk TikTok. So Snapchat is feeling the effects. Twitter had a bad report too. Even Google missed earnings expectations. YouTube revenue slowed down significantly. Is this an ad? An ad thing? Are people pulling back on ad spending or is this a TikTok thing? Is this TikTok are just sucking up eyeballs and they're taking over all engagement? Oh, look, I think TikTok is going to inflict untold damage on more businesses than we even know, full stop or period, let alone advertising. I expect there's a lot of people, probably my age or even older, that regard TikTok as... um, I suppose transient or pointless or maybe insignificant. Actually, the right word is they're dismissive. I'd say most people my age are dismissive of TikTok, but it is not to be dismissed. This is the most significant new service since Facebook exploded onto the scene about 17 years ago. I mean, lads, we're talking RT2 level disruption here. Do you remember when RT2 was launched? Uh, like, that's what we're talking here. RT1 was Facebook and and <laughs> TikTok is RT2. And sorry to everyone who's not in Ireland, that's an Irish TV reference. We had only two TV channels forever. Um, so just be- before like, I move off the subject of TikTok, like last year, Netflix had 9.6 trillion minutes of uh, video viewing time, 9.6 trillion minutes for Netflix. TikTok had 22.6 trillion minutes of viewing. And in no time, no time at all from the year 2017, which is when uh, ByteDance or TikTok started to monetize, they overtook Netflix in four years flat on revenue. And last year, the year, the calendar year of 2021, uh, TikTok doubled Netflix's revenue. And as far as I know, by March uh, of this year, 
TikTok had done more minutes than it had done last year. So for those people who are my generation and are dismissive of TikTok, you're missing it just because you don't do it. There's lots of people's grandparents who thought the Beatles was, were just a, a fad of a boy band, <laughs> but they were wrong. And there's a generation listening to this podcast who will roll their eyes backwards when they hear TikTok, but you're wrong. You're wrong. You don't even know what disruption is coming our way. Well, I, I didn't actually read Snap's report, but... Um... And just on the general question of kind of what's going on with kind of TikTok and Snap, is, I think it comes back as well to the changes that Apple have made in their tracking policies. Um, you know, that has been absolutely brutal for any company that kind of relied on outside tracking mm-hmm. or, or third party cookies. And, you know, I remember, I think it was Scott Galloway wrote a very interesting piece about TikTok a few years ago. About, and he, he referenced what they called signal liquidity. Um, and he actually used the Netflix mm-hmm. example. And he said, if you, watch an hour of of Netflix, um, whether you finish it or whether you pause it and, and then and never go back, Netflix have gotten one signal about you. Um, if you spend an hour on TikTok, they have thousands of signals on you because you're making a choice every 10 seconds or so as to whether you're skipping something or watching something. And when you have that amount of data on people, you don't need outside info. You've you've got all you yeah. need to run a very strong advertising business without any without tracking people outside your app in any way. And yeah, it could be it That's could right. it could be very very um, revolutionary for the brand advertising market. And you're right. And, and like, for example, we have a TikTok channel at my Wall Street and Nicole manages that. And she put up a video and frankly, it's, it's very, very trivial. It had 3.6 million views. Now, just there's nothing else we've done that has captured so much attention. One tiny little comical clip captured the attention of 3.6 million people. Um, but I think what's even more resting right now is that I reckon if you were to straw poll let's say a thousand people and asked them, will Google search ever get knocked off its perch? I reckon at least 950 people would say, no, they're there to stay. Well, guess what? Half of Gen Z or Z, depending where you are, half of Gen Z is using TikTok and Instagram for search instead of Google. So we have a generation coming up that first thinks of TikTok when they want to, what we would say. And I think that that in itself is very powerful. Although when they go to write their college thesis in a few years, they, uh, it's going to make We should buy Oracle shares yeah. in case that deal ever goes through. <laughs> yeah. Just on the off chance. Imagine if they had, imagine they just came out one day and said, yeah. oh yeah, we've completed that deal, by the way. <laughs> Oracle shares literally like <laughs> quadruple in. They better move seconds. out of America. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. That'd be a great deal for them. Oh, bye. Bye, Mike. For those still listening, Mike has left the chat. He's tired of our octogenarian <laughs> ways talking about TikToks and yeah, Mike. Mike doesn't like any of this stuff. Mike's Mike's a big. He's a big Google fan. Like I'm not gonna, I'm gonna sit here and have you guys talk bad about Google. <laughs> At last, Rory, it's the OGs. Yeah. It's the You and Me show. We're rid of all those blow-ins. What are we going to talk about? Actually, Roy, let's keep this thing going. Do you remember when you said to Mike earlier, um, your internet's going a bit fuzzy? That was an omen. Absolute yes. omen. Anyway, I think he's coming back in now, but sure, I think this is gold, what we've had yeah. since left. I think we should keep it in. Actually, I think so too. Um, That's great. Yeah, what, what we'll we talk um, about when he gets back on. So, Hello. <laughs> I'd reckon he... Hi, Mike. 
We've kept going. We're halfway <laughs> really? through mailbag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no, what a disaster. Oh, poor Al Ray is going to be pulling his hair out tomorrow trying to put this together. <laughs> friend, tell him not to put it together. Sure, let's one one take. Yeah, you know, Rory, absolutely. good old days. One take. Back when we had no producer. Um, <laughs> right, you were right, Emmett. It was my internet that was getting spotty. We did talk about that while you were away. <laughs> Emmett's foresighted to your shoddy internet. <laughs> I don't know. It hasn't been fine. Maybe it's the weather. Don't forget that if you listen to this podcast on the My Wall Street app, you get the free version of our one of our elevator pitches at the end of this episode. It's completely free to listen to episodes of Stock Club on the My Wall Street app. All you need to do is download My Wall Street on iOS or Android and create a My Wall Street account. There's a link in the notes for today's show, so just tap that and enjoy more Stock Club. So are you into mailbag now already without me? <laughs> oh, what should I do? We actually didn't start. No, we haven't started okay. the mailbag, Mike. We, wouldn't do, we didn't we know just, what to do we next. Just <laughs> We're just shooting the <laughs> Sorry. You talk, we respond. But for a moment, there was, there was a good moment we, yeah, we were so doing. We're take it off the road. We'll see. we'll see what ends up on the cutting room floor and what doesn't. Um, sorry about all this, Ray. You're going to have to have your eyes out tomorrow. To the dozens of listeners who are still left. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's dig into the mailbag. So, Emmett, we've had kind of a general question come in asking about CRISPR and the deluge of gene editing stocks that are currently on the market. What, what are your thoughts on this industry and, and the potential here? Is it too soon to invest or is now the time to get in? I'm sure I've spoken about this probably too, my, too many times at this stage, but in his 1962 book, Profiles of the Future, an inquiry into the limits of the possible, Arthur C. Clarke formulated his famous three laws of which the third law is the best known and most widely cited probably by me to be honest and it says any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and it's so true i'm sure every one of our listeners for a fleeting moment has looked at something that they use all the time now and pondered what would their grandmother or great grandfather say if they could see it like maybe it's you know, Shazam identifying any song in a second or a giant flat smart TV on your wall or your new iPhone and all the magic that it contains. Honestly, I could speak for hours about the subject. There are products in our day-to-day lives now that when I was a child would have absolutely been indistinguishable from magic. Well, it's been 10 years since scientists developed CRISPR, which is a technology for making very targeted changes to the DNA in cells. But until now, until now, the method has been tried only on people suffering from very rare diseases like sickle cell anemia, and really only part of exploratory trials. But relatively soon, Mike, I think the technology will move from labs and highly targeted trials into mainstream, maybe in the next, uh, maybe five to 10 years. And when this happens, the indistinguishable from magic concept will yet again come to pass. And there's been so many industries that have gone through a revolution. And um, this is a mega revolution in its earliest days. And it's a very timely question from our mailbag, Mike, because earlier this month, it was reported that for the first time, a patient in New Zealand had undergone gene editing to lower their cholesterol. And this could be the beginning 
of a new era in disease prevention. The experiment was part of a clinical trial by the US biotechnology company Verve Therapeutics, which is floated, ticker Verve, V-E or V, and it involved injecting a version of the gene editing tool CRISPR to modify a single letter of DNA in the patient's liver cells. And according to the company, that tiny, teeny little edit should be enough to permanently lower a person's level of, you know, bad LDL cholesterol, uh, which is the fatty molecule that causes arteries to clog and harden over time. And the patient in New Zealand specifically had an inherited risk for extra high cholesterol and was already suffering from heart disease. And I have a quote here from Verve CEO, whose name is Sekar Katharashian, and he was a gene researcher who started Verve only three years ago. And he said, if this works and if, if it is safe, this is the answer to the heart attack. This is the cure. And I think that that qualifies as indistinguishable from magic. And there's more to come. Logically, every inherited human ailment can be reserved, uh, reversed. Like if this CRISPR thing actually translates and crosses the chasm and becomes a mainstream suite of treatments, like I don't know any person who wouldn't avail of CRISPR at some point, sometime in the future. And there's loads of ways to invest in CRISPR. Um, like for broad exposure, you could go at ARC's Genomic Revolution ETF, which I think its ticker is ARKG. And uh, for full disclosure, uh, ARC Invest's chief strategy officer is on our board. Um, I have I have a favorite individual company that I have invested in uh, that subscribers to Horizon know about. There's a load of companies that are taking CRISPR very, very seriously. And to your very first question, is it too early to invest in CRISPR? Um, I don't believe it is. No, I think we are at the dawn of a new age of medical treatment and it's being led by CRISPR-Cas9, which is a technology. And there's plenty of, there's a nice documentary on Netflix about tech. And there's a really great book uh, about uh, Jennifer Doudna, who's one of the Nobel uh, Prize winning chemists. I think she got the Nobel Prize two or three years ago for her work on CRISPR, along with them. Uh, I think it was Emmanuel Charpentier. I can't remember exactly her name, but yeah, there was two. But it, it, there's so much out there in CRISPR, but goosebumps. This is going to change humanity and the, the natural world as well. Very good. Uh, would we like to do a quiz? Yes, let's do a quiz. CRISPR is an acronym. I would be very impressed if you know <laughs> any of this. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I, I should know it. It's uh, regularly inter, um, oh, regular interspaced. Uh, over to you, Rory. <laughs> over to you, Google. I'll TikTok it. <laughs> oh, over to you, TikTok. It's regularly interspaced. Um, uh, I don't know what is it. That's actually on? pretty good. Clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats. I was impressed uh, you got two of them. Yeah. Um, well, if you saw the amount of time I had my head in a book trying to figure out the stock I like the most, it's pretty unimpressive. I only got two of the letters. No, well. It is very futuristic technology. We'll see if it does play out. Hopefully so. Um, what, about the, what about the evil implications of it? Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. there is, but there's also a fella down in New Zealand saying he's going to cure heart attacks. Yeah. But then, like, what, like, what if Amazon gets hands on this and they're like selling, like, uh, do you want to be 10 feet tall? Yeah. We'll sell it. <laughs> 
Yeah. But that's a very good point, Roy, because there is going to be an ethical debate that bubbles up. Of course, no one would stand in the way of congenital heart disease being cured. That's great. But then what if someone said, well, you know, it's okay for me to get orthodontics to straighten my teeth, isn't it? And they will go, yeah, no problem. So why can't I get CRISPR to change my eye color? On the surface, you go, okay, yeah, big deal. If you want brown eyes instead of blue, do it or the other way around. And um, next thing, the implications are, well, for all children to come after you, You've changed their eye color, but then how, like it's a, it's 10 end of, of the wedge, supposing you want your hair to be a different color or your skin tone to be different or the shape of, you know, so there is definitely a huge, big, massive ethical debate pending when in fact CRISPR has addressed those things such as heart disease and, and starts looking at things that are uh, cosmetic, if you like. Well, I'm sure the crushing yoke of capitalism will will follow the ethical path on this matter. <laughs> very very good okay Uh, let's finish out today with an elevator pitch Uh, Rory what company's on your watch list at the minute Um, I am taking a second look at a business that I talked about uh, probably just about a year ago at this point it's a company called UiPath Um, it's a software vendor out of Bucharest Romania I think it was the first ever Romanian unicorn um, and it's a company whose software helps other companies essentially automate repetitive tasks using robotic process automation uh, or RPA. Um, so, I mean, look, you can literally think of the thousands of menial tasks in, in a day to day that take up a lot of time. Um, data transfer is one. Um, the content team editing my posts to change it's to it is that pretty much happens every day. Uh, you know, the, uh, RPA can basically automate, <laughs> automate a huge amount of that stuff. Um, and it lets employees kind of focus on more meaningful work. Uh, so they went public just over a year, year ago. Uh, there was some keen interest following that. I think at one point it was valued around 45 billion. Um, I really liked the business back then, but was really put off by the valuation. Um, now it's down closer to 10 billion. So I've decided to take another look at it. Very good. Emmett, what about yourself? Anything piquing your interest? Yeah, I'm going to take, I'm going to pitch to you, Mike Illumina, uh, ticker. Okay, very good. Yeah, ticker I-L-M-N. And Illumina is, I suppose, the Apple of genomic sequencing market. And it develops, makes markets, builds and sells these life science tools to analyze uh, genes and genetic variations and biological functions. So it's highly technical. Uh, the company was founded in 1998. It has more than 8,000 customers in 140 countries. It generated $4.5 billion in revenue last year, which was up 25% year on year. And it also had earnings or profit of $762 million. And 80% of that revenue is recurring as a result of you know, the bits and bobs you need to buy to use their sequencing system. It's a razor and blade revenue model, as it's known. Uh, and as you know, uh, in, I, I don't know if you know, so I, I thought I said this to you, am I dreaming? As you may know, in April 03, it was less than a dollar a share. So it's up 200 fold since, and it was up 500 fold a few months ago. So hats off to the Illumina folks. Very good. Right. Well, out of selfish reasons here, I think I'm going to side with Rory's pitch because it seems slightly easier to understand. So Rory, do you mind taking us through your uh, extended elevator pitch? 
Right, lads, if you're listening to the free version of Stock Club, this is where we'll leave you today. If you want to find out more about UiPath and what we think of it as a potential investment, however, jump over to the My Wall Street app and you can listen to the rest of our conversation on the company. If you have any questions you'd like answered or elevator pitches you'd like us to tackle, make sure to get in touch. You can find us on Twitter, that's at MyWallStreetHQ, on TikTok, that's at MyWallStreet, or simply just email us at pod at MyWallStreet.com. If you're in the show, join the show, make sure to tell your friends about us, and don't forget to leave a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll talk to you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.